like, Vanilla baby, I'll choke me too. you, but I know kill a baby. baby. <laughs> I'm still here. Why did you guys hang up? Hey guys, this is Fatima. Hi guys, it's Val. Hey, Jules over here. Welcome back to Girl Goggles. I missed hey. you. We no, missed we miss you guys. You. I missed my girls and I missed my listeners. How's everyone I know. doing? Feels like it's been a year. No, we took a week off in case you missed it, everybody who's listening. Yeah. But um, it was a well-rested week and yeah. we're happy to be back and stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're coming with the tell bang. Them, we're going to have a banging up. episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the holidays are around the corner. We have a lot going on. But most importantly, we want to Talk be about here that. with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what, what are you laughing at? I said, most importantly, we want to talk about sex. <laughs> but, and, um, yeah, no, Fatima, tell everyone what's going on this week. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, lots of things are going on. Well, first off... Um, Merry Christmas. Happy Merry holidays. Christmas. Happy I, New Year. Uh, happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever you're celebrating, if you're not mm-hmm. celebrating. Um, I know that this uh, might be a hard time for a lot of people due to mm-hmm. so many reasons. And I just want you to know that, you know, first of all, you're not alone. Yeah. And if you are feeling alone and lonely, like, and if you can and if you have the possibility to reach out and you know maybe spend the holiday with your friends maybe spend holiday with your co-workers maybe have a meal to yourself and just have a cozy night in and just be safe and healthy that's pretty much what's important I'm sending love to everybody who's struggling and hurting and missing somebody Uh, I am sending love to everybody who might have wanted to have this Christmas be bigger and brighter and more magical and buy more presents for your kids and your family but you know times Mm -hmm. are hard and don't be hard on yourself if you can't buy a third fourth fifth present or even the first present because well first of all I am not Christian or religious but I know that you know lots of people say that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus but Christmas is just about being around people that love you and you love them back so That's basically my message for these holidays. You know, holidays sometimes can be hard for me because my family is like thousands of miles away. And, you know, uh, this is a really beautiful time where I grew up because it's snowy. And, you know, my Mm -hmm. mom is an amazing cook and there's so many traditions around winter holidays. But, you know, I'm here in California. I'm building my life. And that was the decision that I made to be away from my family. But, you know, something to do for myself. But I'm so grateful to have friends that became family. I am incredibly incredibly grateful for these two beautiful girls that showered me with presents like Mm -hmm. literally every day something coming up to my doorstep and yeah I'm just choosing to be happy this holiday season yeah we love you guys love you guys too don't forget to look out for your next gift I told you guys oh god knock it off you guys are done I gave you everything I can give you (laughs) you give us love love is honestly the best your personalized mug is all you get now absolutely um but no seriously um i hope everyone spends their holiday season with people they love and a roof over their head and a warm meal on their table and that's all you can ask for yeah Absolutely. We love you guys. Happy holidays. And uh, from these beautiful, magical words, we're going to go into a beautiful topic about rough sex and video (laughs) sex. (laughs) 
for this holiday season on the first day of Christmas. <laughs> uh, the best girls ever. <laughs> Pinwheels. Pinwheels. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't know, now you know. Look up yep. on Amazon. You will know. Our okay. Amazon pinwheel. Uh, yep. We just had an amazing conversation with our first ever guest on Girl Goggles podcast. Her name yep. is Catherine, and she is a sex and a relationship coach. And um, I mean, there were so many things that we touched yeah. upon. I kind of wanted to. Uh, I don't know. We we just had this debrief. Yeah, I, we had this convo with the girls off the record where you know like I've always you know considered myself like a very open and like sex positive person Mm -hmm. but lots of times you know like I look at things that you know are there in the world and I'm so happy that you know they are there because you know there are over 7 billion people and if you get pleasure from one thing and I don't get pleasure from that that's okay like I just want I just want all of us to have safe space to find our pleasure and enjoyment so you know I don't ever want somebody to think that that because you're not into certain things or because you don't find this crazy excitement about like certain sexual pleasures and stuff Mm -hmm. like nothing is wrong with you like if you enjoy your vanilla missionary you know like a little bit a little bit grown after Disney that's still okay Absolutely. There's something for everyone. There's someone for everyone. And and I think that's what we touched on today. Not, I mean, not you like whatever you like. And that is period. That's it. That's all that matters. Yeah. I think Catherine brought a really amazing perspective um, to sex and the topic. And I can only speak for myself. Um, I didn't agree with everything that she said, but I think overall, just the communication, the honesty, the, the, she brought so much to the table and I think that it was really it was awesome having her on and I'm excited for people to listen and see you know what everyone takes away from it but it's okay if you don't agree with everything absolutely and to reiterate you know the reason why the three of us started this podcast was because everyone's perspective is different and at the end of the day whether it's us or one of our listeners you either are relating it's raw and it's real and yeah, so exactly. that's all that matters. So we, you don't have to agree, but it's out there and someone else agrees. Absolutely. Totally. And then, you know, another big thing about our podcast and, you know, a lot of different podcasts that I personally listen to is we talk about womanhood. We talk about all the yes. things that are important about women. And Absolutely. one of the most amazing things that Catherine was talking about was female pleasure and everything that is important about women and not talking about men so I think that was like very significant for us to have her as a guest as our first guest and I mean come on we wanted to name our podcast girth goggles like what are you girth yep we love us some girth but we also love us some female pleasure and some girl power and I think Catherine brought that to the table and it was it was phenomenal and we promise we promise we promise we promise to our listeners Next episode, I think it's time that we disclose the actual <laughs> of how girth started. I mean, it's going to be episode six next week. What? So, wow. That's crazy. I mean, go us. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And um, then it's so crazy. I think we can talk more about it on the next episode because it's going to be sure. like the wrap up of like mm-hmm. 2023 and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we started our podcast in a weird time at the end of the year. You know, it's not your totally. usual like beginning of the year. Like, let's set some you know, yep. resolutions, resolutions and some goals. So like yep. we, we're different. We do things differently around here. We sure do. Unorthodox, but our way and it's working. 
Yeah. Absolutely. So um, thank you again for tuning in. You guys I yes. hope you enjoyed this episode with Catherine and we see you next week. And yep. we hope that you continue to follow us and share our stuff. We love you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, you guys. Bye-bye. Guys, we have a very special guest today. Well, number one, she's our first guest. And number two, it's a female guest. And there's nothing better than having a woman on our women-run podcast. She's a sex and relationship coach. She has almost 250,000 followers on TikTok. She offers one-on-one coaching to explore your sexuality and help you find your confidence and experience pleasure you deserve. Mm-mm. Her Ooh. multi-orgasmic viral was featured in Cosmopolitan. Please welcome Catherine Drisdale. Hi, Catherine. Yay. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure. Catherine, pleasure to have you. Pleasure is ours. Um, Mm -hmm. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became a sex and relationship coach, and uh, where our listeners can find you on social media. Totally. Um, I guess first thing, if you want to follow me, I'm at I am Catherine Drysdale on TikTok and Instagram. It's spelled C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-D-R-Y-S-D-A-L-E. That's on Instagram and TikTok. Or you can go to my website, yourpleasurepath.com. Um, but essentially how I got started in this space is <laughs> similar to most people who are in the sexuality space is I like sex. <laughs> I started having mm-hmm. sex at a young age. And I always was the friend that people would come to when they had questions or wanted advice. And I was always into experimenting and exploring. And I grew up in an environment where that wasn't okay. And mm-hmm. so I constantly was pushing the boundaries, constantly doing things that were a little crazy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We left crazy. I was like, who, yep, I hear you. Like, who are you to tell me what I can and can't do? And mm-hmm. then, so right. being an adventurous person from like 14 essentially is when I started having sex. And then when I went to college, I unfortunately experienced sexual assault. And that mm-hmm. added another layer to this journey is like navigating okay, how do I navigate relationships and intimacy and pleasure and feeling connected with my own body? after experiencing mm-hmm. something like that and yeah. going through that traumatic event like I did what most people do is I compartmentalized it I put it in the back of my head because I wanted mm-hmm. to experience college like a normal person I didn't want to yeah. allow my trauma to define me and five yep. years later like that's when I had a complete mental breakdown it was during the me too movement because I didn't get the justice that I needed during my sexual assault And that's sort of what fueled me into getting into this personal development path where like I had to quit my job because I had a full mental breakdown. I went back to school. I started working on my health and like working out and seeing Mm -hmm. my therapist three times a week. Like it got so bad to the point where I was debating doing inpatient treatment because my mental health was Mm -hmm. so bad healing from this. And I'm so glad that at that time in my life, I am grateful that I did have the support that I finally needed. And that also yeah. was the catalyst for me to realize that, okay, like I'm here to help people. And so I was taking this personal branding class. Um, I went back to school for digital marketing when I was trying to figure out, I'm like, what the fuck am I here for? Cause it's not entertainment. Yep. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I went to school yep. for. I thought I wanted to work in entertainment. 
Um, Mm -hmm. But the first night of class, the professor said there's a difference between having influence and having impact. And I went from wanting to make my dog Instagram famous to, okay, fuck, I'm going to use all of the pain that I've experienced in my life to help other people. And so through that, that's how I got into coaching. So I first was a traditional like life coach where I supported a lot of women, especially figuring out their own purpose and navigating relationships and boundaries. And what I realized through working through that is how people operate like (laughs) in their life, in one area of their life is often how they operate in all areas of your life. And the patterns that you have developed from childhood oftentimes are the patterns that keep playing out in all of your relationships and so while I was working on my healing to get to a point where I'm like okay I want to support other people healing their trauma once I got to that point where I'm like I'm good I'm ready to hold people in that deeper capacity that's when I started switching into sex relationships and specifically working with women to experience more pleasure, heal their trauma, feel more confident, have more intimacy. And Mm -hmm. another benefit too is like healing anxiety, which I'm someone who struggled with anxiety my whole life. And yeah, yeah, it's just, it's wild to think that what I'm doing now, like didn't exist when I was (laughs) going to school. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's impossible. Yeah. Sorry, um, that was a, that was a long. That was a mouthful. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. But on uh, on behalf of like all the girls, uh, I think we just want to commend you for speaking up. And honestly, yep. you are the epitome of like girl power. And yep. if our Aww. podcast is going to reflect anything, it is exactly what you are talking about. And we, yep. you know, just like you, we want to speak up and we want to be real, raw, relatable. And so we're so grateful to have yep. you on. We've said it already, but seriously, thank you so much for for speaking up. Yep, absolutely. And I'm so sorry to hear about your trauma, but I'm, I love that you turn that into something beneficial and and productive. And I think that there's so many, I mean, myself included have gone through sexual trauma and maybe, um, don't feel confident or comfortable talking about it. And I think the more that people talk about it and the more you are honest and, and say it as part of your story and you can grow through it and turn it into something else. I think that's really powerful. And I think there's a lot of people who can relate to that. Absolutely. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, And especially like brushing up on the point that you said that, I don't know, I think even 20 years ago, something that you do didn't exist and people didn't talk about it. And I feel like a lot of things that were circling around sex and like anxiety around sex and, you know, all the trauma around it, people just thought that, you know, I'm just going to like take it to my grave. Right. I'm never going to talk about it. And then I'm going to think that something is wrong with me. So the fact that somebody who has gone through like terrible things and like came out strong and beautiful and helps women. I mean, honestly, I just want to like pause this podcast and just keep talking without (laughs) any recording because like, I feel like (laughs) I can listen to you all day and you know, this is, this was an incredible intro. Um, Oh. So we obviously have questions for you because you are a coach and we're going to, mm-hmm. I don't want to say harass you, but we do have some <laughs> things that I think are going to be <laughs> very cool for our listeners to get answers on. But mm-hmm. honestly, like very selfishly speaking, I have my own questions. So, Same and I'm here. pretty sure Jules <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm here. Listen, I'm here we want to get all. better at sex the older we get. That's all we want. 
We love it in general. I mean, we want to get better, but I think what's most important is we want to enjoy it more, right? Mm, Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Yes. And I think one of the biggest things is um, just like this belief that I think all of us women were told, or maybe that is just something that we thought is a thing nobody really talked to us about is like the fact that, you know, pleasure is for men right you know like female pressure was never really something that we talked about so it's Mm -hmm. always about pleasuring your man even outside of the bedroom and you know in bedroom in particular right right um ironically enough as you know but you've been emailing back with uh, Fatima DMing her and like during this whole collaboration um we do get emails um through our instagram girthfoggled at gmail.com and someone anonymously wrote in and they are in a relationship and they wanted some feedback and some insight. And you are our first and special guest. So we thought it would be so appropriate if you could help us uh, respond to this anonymous email. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jules, totally. Jules is going to read the email and we'll take it from there. Yes. Okay. So here's the email. Again, they want to remain anonymous, but it states, I've been with my girlfriend for around three years now, and in the beginning of our relationship, we both had really high libido, doing the deed a few times a week at least. Well, in the last one or so, maybe even more, we haven't, I assume they mean, I don't know if they mean year or month, but it says in the last one or so, maybe a little more, we haven't been doing it nearly as much or at all. Maybe once a week, most likely, and sometimes once in a while, maybe twice. It's been tough for me because while her libido has been low, mine has stayed high and it's been tough because that's one, that's the one thing. Sorry, there's a few little typos in here. That's the one thing that I like and how I like to show affection with her. I'm just stuck because I don't know what to do and I don't want to come off as just wanting sex or something along those lines. I just don't know what to do because I'm basically always in the mood and she currently is not. Any advice or help would be so greatly appreciated. And if you have any further questions, let me know. Yeah. Um, I also want to add one thing while I was corresponding with this gentleman. He did say they don't live together. So that's something to also factor in. Because I thought from that email that they lived together and they just weren't having mm. sex. So that, you know, that adds, that adds into it. I thought yeah. so. I would have assumed too. Who wants I'm to over here first? like I'm, I'm, gra- I'm grabbing my vape. I'm grabbing my popcorn. I'm like, okay, Catherine. okay i'm ready i'm ready well so my first question which you answered i was like is this a heterosexual relationship or a lesbian relationship but heterosexual since it's a man who wrote in i think in general this advice and feedback really goes for anyone in a long-term relationship it is so normal for your libido to change over the duration of your long-term relationship period. It is also normal for your own libido to change throughout your life, through seasons of your life, through things that are happening. I think it's unfair to expect that a relationship, the frequency of having sex, or even with yourself, even your frequency of masturbating is going to stay consistent every single day of every single life. I think some factors to keep in mind too, with the changing of libido is Number one, like the main things here, stress. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stress is a huge libido killer. Um, your hormones absolutely can affect your libido. And if this man is having a relationship with a woman who 
is I assume menstruating, going through the cycles, depending mm -hmm. on where you are in your cycle, your libido might be higher or lower medications, especially mm -hmm. SSRIs are like notorious for being libido killers. And yes. I think in general too, a lot of people assume that the pace that you have sex in at the beginning of a relationship is going to continue but oftentimes that's part of like the infatuation that's part of like the lust that's the honeymoon phase mm -hmm. and typically I'd say about like the first like three months 90 days or so is where typically there's a higher frequency of those sexual encounters because it's also novel because it's a new right. person you're wanting to connect with them and then things like life <laughs> happen to get in the way um, I think other things to keep in mind, too, is everyone has a different way that they operate in terms of dealing with stress. So some people want more sex when they're feeling stressed. I know for a long time, I operated like this to where sex was a stress relief for me. Mm -hmm. And I would <laughs> masturbate yeah, or rub one out like four times in a day. Just mm -hmm. I'm like, I just need to chase that. Oh, I need to feel better. It's part of my self-care, which yeah. like, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Or yeah, other people were yeah, like, they I'm, completely I'm listening shut to you. I'm listening to you over here. I'm sitting next to my vibrator because every time, like, something goes wrong, I'm just like, okay, it's time. Fatima, Fatima. sends good morning yeah. text. Fatima sends good morning text with her coffee and her vibrator in hand every day almost. Like, yep. it is just. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that I'm about it. I'm about it. I'm here for Absolutely. that. I mean, I used to be like that. I'd, I'd say over time, like, personally, like, my libido's changed to where mm -hmm. I would often masturbate every single day regardless. And then maybe a couple other times if I was feeling stressed. Now I'd say it, like, fluctuates. And I probably masturbate maybe on average three to four times a week. But, like, I give myself the full autonomy to where if it's not a full body fuck yes, even for fucking myself, I won't do it. Yes. Um, yeah, I love that. Love that. Love Which, you know, is, is huge in building that muscle of like self-trust and also like self-consent, right? And if you're mm -hmm. not fully into it, then why are you doing it? But back mm -hmm. to the libido thing, I think an important tool that I think anyone can use is read the book. It's called Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. She talks all about libido and hmm. all about sex drive, seeing as it's actually not a drive and there's different mechanisms. So mechanism number one is like how you respond to stress. And that that's kind of like the brakes. So mm -hmm. does stress make you put your foot on the gas or put your foot on the brakes? And right. then another thing to keep in mind too is different people respond to stimulus in different ways. So oftentimes, a lot of men, but it can be women or non-binary non people, it doesn't, gender doesn't really matter, it's just more common for men, have mm -hmm. a more spontaneous desire, meaning like the sound of the washing machine, or you know, you see like a hot lady on the train, or it's just the morning, you have morning wood and you're just ready to go. It doesn't really matter what the stimulus is, or sometimes mm -hmm. there doesn't even need to be stimulus for you to be aroused and into having sex. Mm -hmm. The other group of people often fall in the responsive desire category. And responsive desire means that it often needs to be the perfect storm and the perfect situation in order for you to even consider having sex. Mm -hmm. Meaning like 
that dirty laundry pile in your room like can't be there or like if you have kids like the kids have to be out in the house or have a babysitter or you can't have a stack of meetings lined up or maybe you can't even do it in the house and you need to have a hotel room with your partner after having a hot date and a bubble bath you Mm -hmm. know so knowing which one you operate under I think is really important because oftentimes a lot of the times when people aren't having sex or men especially are complaining that their partner's not into it what are you doing in order to get your partner in the mood Mm. and we often forget that foreplay actually begins after the last sexual encounter meaning if it's once a week what are you doing from that last time until this next time? Oh my god! Make I think we need to feel desired. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I love think that. we need to pause and like repeat that real quick because that's huge. Wow! Okay. <laughs> wow! <laughs> okay. So back it up. Foreplay begins after the last sexual experience so whether the frequency is one day one hour one week one month it doesn't really matter it's your responsibility as someone who's you know in a relationship to figure out how you can build the desire in the arousal phase it's Mm -hmm. like desire is the pre-arousal it's like the Mm -hmm. pre-foreplay and so what are you doing to make your partner feel desired and so God, this can cute. be like maybe if your partner's love language and this is where love languages totally fall into play with this too it's like if your partner's love language is acts of service okay what are the things on her to-do list that you can take off to make her feel like she can breathe maybe yeah. she needs to hear how hot she is and how beautiful she is and how you really love that red dress that she wore on the date last week you know it could be you're hitting some chords Catherine physical touch it could be that she needs more non-sexual physical touch like Mm. maybe a naked cuddle is really underrated or like having a sensual shower together it could just be like getting a back rub without expectation of initiation there's so many different things at play here but I think Number one is like having open communication. I think number two is building up that desire and that sensuality and like dating your partner, not falling into that rut. And then also just like knowing the factors of like libido changing over time. And I think with the holiday season too, not everyone responds to stress well. I know I I don't. (laughs) So it it doesn't stop once you get it. That's huge. That's so huge. Yeah. 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 Man. Wow. Mike, I, I was more, Yeah. I think the more that you lean into that and focus on connecting with your partner instead of having sex with your partner, that's going to be the game changer. And I think also decentering penetration, which I know might not be something that men want to know, but when you decenter penetration in your sexual experiences, this opens the door for so much more pleasure. Meaning mm-hmm. like foreplay, like uh, what we know is foreplay, you know, like fingering, oral, blowjobs, rim jobs, whatever, like that can be the main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't, doesn't have to be penetration. Mm-hmm. I think also including some novelty is helpful. So it's like novelty could be like booking that hotel and having a staycation. Novelty could be 
having sex in a different room than you normally do. Mm -hmm. Novelty can be maybe trying a little role play or maybe you want to explore some BDSM and want to get a blindfold and like a feather duster and something Eh. else. So it's like switching things up can Mm -hmm. give more opportunities for connection, but it doesn't have to end in penetration. And what you were saying earlier too, of like not being taught about women's pleasure. First of all, that book come as you are Mm -hmm. is focused on women's pleasure, like not solely, but for the most part. So I Mm -hmm. think that's important to understand. But I think also like as women too, um, like foreplay is important. And I think a lot of people don't realize that women, most women need clitoral stimulation in order to come. Yep. Only 18% of women have an orgasm from penetration alone. Only 18%. That's, That's why. So, That's like, crazy whatever Yeah. Only 18. So that means like 80 something percent of women need direct clitoral stimulation in order mm-hmm. to have an orgasm. Damn. Wow. Our listeners are taking notes because we got to change these the freaking statistics. Yeah. This is huge. I mean, this yeah. is this is good yeah. information. I wanted to um to stress a little bit the whole orgasm thing um while we're mm-hmm. talking on it. Um yeah, I I constantly look at those stats too because I am somebody who normally doesn't orgasm during the actual act. I need mm-hmm. like some extra help and there obviously there are certain things that you know like I need to like de-stress myself, you know, I can't mm-hmm. be too in my head, there's certain positions and all that kind of stuff, right? And I think early on in my 20s when I first started being really sexually active I used to be so in my head about it because I thought that something was wrong with me you know like all these people around me were like oh my god it just had like the biggest oh of my life and I was like I have good sex but I don't think I had that you know Mm -hmm. so I kind of started like spiraling into this thing that something is wrong with my body you know and that's not a good thing so I think with the years I kind of like got to know that not or like orgasming all the time is not a possibility for me, but I still enjoy sex. You know, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think that's important. First of all, nothing's wrong with you. And for any listener, like whether you have consistent orgasms or multiple orgasms or Mm -hmm. maybe one, or maybe not at all, like whatever you're experiencing, that's totally normal and totally okay. So I just want to like acknowledge that. And I think part of it, too, is, like, we're not taught sex education, right? We're taught very limited scope of sex. We're taught penis and vagina penetration, and no one really talks about female pleasure. No one really talks about the sole purpose of the clitoris is pleasure, period. That's it. No one's also taught that um, the clitoris (laughs) actually extends inside of the body, and has the same erectile tissue as a penis. Yeah, I've So when that. you're feeling aroused, it expands. Mm-hmm. And so when you focus on like touching the clitoral, like the clitoris and the clitoral hood, that actually allows all of like the the tissue inside the vagina, <laughs> inside the vaginal canal, and the vulva and around to expand making more room inside and making all sensation around the genital region feel good. So it doesn't even have to focus directly on the clitoris. But when we do focus directly on the clitoris, like that is what happens. And I want to say too, it's okay if you need a toy to get off. 
it's okay yeah. if your partner's penis doesn't do it for you. It's okay if you enjoy sex, but you don't have an orgasm. But I think it is really important that, especially as women, we like speak up if something's not right. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm really here to end the expectation that we're faking orgasms and that we're just here for our partner's pleasure. Yeah. And I think part of that is, you know, knowing what you need to get off. Some women have a harder time getting off with a partner versus with themselves because with a partner like you were saying you're in your head sometimes you're thinking like oh he's going down on me but like is it too long do I smell what did I eat today oh like he's probably really bored and like when you're in your head like that it takes you out of the experience and makes it that much harder for you to have an orgasm when in reality like your partner should feel lucky (laughs) to be drinking the sweet nectar from you you know (laughs) (laughs) yes Like, it's a gift you're bestowing. And I think part of that, too, is, like, cultural conditioning. Like, we're not really taught a lot of, like, media, film, TV, even porn. Uh, Like, mainstream porn isn't centered on women's pleasure. So we're not taught when we start having sex that foreplay should be a non-negotiable. And the average length of time that it takes a woman to orgasm with a partner with direct clitoral stimulation is 14 minutes noted 14 minutes setting the timer next 14 minutes that's just the average i recommend with my clients to have an expectation of at least 20 minutes of foreplay that means no no penis touching and i think something that can be really hot too is have either days where you focus on one partner's pleasure or the other Or, like, just focus on time. Like, okay, for the next 30 minutes, we're going to do whatever feels good for you. And then if it feels good to go to the next partner, then do that. Or sometimes Mm -hmm. things get going and then that just turns you on even more and you're just ready to go and have a marathon. But I think setting the intention, like, I want to experience pleasure and I want to explore what that feels like, I think that really is a game changer and allows your partner to please you in ways that you probably have never experienced before because you're focused on your pleasure and Mm -hmm. the goal is just to feel good it's not even to come yeah absolutely well said that was awesome yeah I mean it seems like the overall is just you know really focusing on your partner I mean like you said from the time your intercourse or your session or your intimacy ends you're really creating that foreplay and that expectation for the next round if you will from the moment you end that and I think I mean even going back to the email uh it's sort of you know this is how I feel how can I get her a little bit more to feel how I feel and it's almost like the question really needs to be is it seems like he needs to focus more on her I mean it seems like he needs to find Mm -hmm. her love language and really start figuring out you know is it the stress that he needs to do some laundry or he needs to help with the kids or he you know what I mean like starting the love languages yeah and yeah foreplay foreplay is outside of the bedroom it doesn't it stops it doesn't stop right once you guys are done you know having yeah well especially for women right it's like you know sometimes I and correct me if I'm wrong Catherine because I'm not the expert here but I feel like men are a lot more compartmentalized where they can just like when they want to have sex, when they are got a boner, they're ready to go. And women, mm-hmm. it's like we it all flows together. Like you said, if you're stressed or if you have things going on that affects you in the bedroom. Right. 
Yeah, I think part of what impacts that too is I think traditionally women in relationships, especially heterosexual relationships, end up taking on a lot of that mental load. So it's like not only just like getting through the day, even if you're both working full time and both contributing to the household or not living together, but you both have similar kind of things on your plate. In general, Mm -hmm. women tend to take on stuff like, okay, well, the dry cleaning needs to be picked up and like, okay, the dog food is running out and like, oh, like we need to get a gift for my partner's boss because we're meeting him for dinner next week. And it's like a lot of the times. I'm not I'm not saying no man experiences that, but it's less common, right? Absolutely. I'd say, like, the stats are showing most women take on that role. Yeah. So it makes sense why a lot of women have that more responsive desire. So, mm-hmm. it, uh, like I said, a lot of this is outlined in that book, Come As You Are. Like, I really think it's a must read for okay. anyone whether you have a vulva or vagina or you have sex with someone with a vulva or vagina, I think it's Mm -hmm. so, so important. That's good to know. I will be picking up that book. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, There's actually something that I screenshot yesterday on your um, story, Catherine. And I think this kind of like goes back to what we're talking about right now. And I don't know, it just like kind of like stuck with me because, you know, I'm single right now, but, you know, kind of looking back at all the relationships that I had and, you know, whether sex was good at the beginning and worse than or whatever. So it said establishing sexual compatibility is important, but it also needs to be maintained. Compatibility isn't a one-time thing you set and forget. What we want from sex and what feels good changes over the course of our lives. This means that staying compatible requires some effort and an ongoing conversation. I loved it so much. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's that's so true. I think, I'm like, where do I go with this? I think a lot of people don't realize, number one, the weight that sexual compatibility has in a relationship Like, Mm -hmm. oftentimes, when we think of compatibility, we think, like, okay, do we have the same values? That's how I like to treat compatibility. And I have a free compatibility guide on my um, bio link in my profile. Um, But oftentimes, we think, like, okay, do we like the same things? Do we have similar goals? Are we going the same place in life? Um, And we sort of go through the dating process like that. But oftentimes... I'd say one of the more common, so the most common things that people break up for is (laughs) sex Mm -hmm. and usually money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Money challenges and sex challenges. And if you think about it, like both of them are topics that can be seen as taboo in society, meaning most people don't feel comfortable talking about it initially. I personally like to flip things on its head. Like I will on a first date, have conversations, sex, money, politics, religion, I'll bang it all out. I'm like, where do you stand on this? And if we mm-hmm. disagree, like, how can we figure out, like, do you deal with conflict? Well, can you deal with people that have different opinions than you? But in terms of sexual compatibility, absolutely, it changes over time. I yeah. mean, I know, even in my early 20s, my baseline for sexual compatibility was are they hot? (laughs) Are they available right now? Can I booty call them? Mm -hmm. And like, do I think I can have a moderate amount of time? Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say in my mid 20s, that's when I decided receiving oral was a non negotiable for me. Mm -hmm. And if these people didn't want to go down on me, I wasn't interested. 
So then my criteria got smaller. Now this is, I don't know, 15 years of having sex. My criteria is much more strict. I will have conversations with people about sexual compatibility before I even agree to go on a date with someone. And that means talking all about boundaries. So like talking about interests, talking about all sorts of things. So like I personally, I'm looking for a non-monogamous relationship, something that's monogamish. So an emotional connection with one person, but also open and being able to play with other people. But I also want kids. And so that's one thing that's like hyper specific Mm -hmm. in terms of bedroom interests. I'm someone who is switchy. And so if you're not in like the scene, that's someone who can flip flop between being more dominant and more submissive. Right. I'm someone who's very adventurous. So I really like novelty. I like semi-public experiences. I like switching things up. I like impact play. I like bondage. But I don't like rough sex. Choking is a hard limit for me. And I don't like like things really, I don't know, really, really. Dehumanizing. Rough. So these, huh? Like things like dehumanizing things in the bedroom, like. I don't know, some crazy stuff. Uh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> like, I'm no. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, and that's something that's changed over time. Like, if you ask me four years ago, I had someone who was like a service sub that would come over. He would clean my apartment. Um, I would Ooh. take a bath. He would bring over food for me. But like, he wanted to be degraded. And clean and just wearing like a man thong and like me to spit on him, use him as a footstool. And that was something that at the time I was not interested and available in. Like I'm really nice. So words of affirmation is one of my primary love languages. And I have a praise kink. I want to be told that I'm a good girl, that I'm doing a good job. I don't Mm -hmm. want someone to talk down on me. Like that's Mm -hmm. a hard limit for me. Mm -hmm. But in my own sexual discovery journey, I've learned to realize that I don't mind degrading and humiliating men. I actually find it quite arousing sometimes. (laughs) So girl, Catherine's a little toxic. She likes it. (laughs) It's not. No, but here's the thing. It's not toxic because it's agreed upon within the dynamics. As long as it's verbal consent, then it's not toxic. Yes. Yes. And so like, that's where it's important, like to have these conversations about these boundaries consent, like, I will often match with people, I typically use the app called fields, because it tends to be more sex positive than the common like vanilla dating apps, like hinge, bumble, tinder, Mm -hmm. etc. But I will have these full conversations, hey, what are you into? What are your hard limits? So Mm -hmm. that means like your hell knows? What are your interests? Like, we're somewhere in the middle. And if it doesn't align fully, I'll just say, thank you, next. Like, not interested in this, but, like, wish you the best. Absolutely. And, like, it's so important to have these conversations before you get to the bedroom. Like, a lot of people just skip that phase. Mm -hmm. And I know in my early 20s when I was having sex, like, men would ask me, what am I into? And I would just giggle and say, haha, I don't know. Or, like, Mm -hmm. you'll find out. But in reality, me doing that took me away from being able to experience pleasure and not naming my needs. It meant that I wasn't getting my needs met in the bedroom because I wasn't bringing them up. And people won't have an opportunity to meet your needs if you don't talk about it. And also, if your needs are something that that person can't provide or won't provide, 
it doesn't give you an opportunity to move on to the next person. It like talking about things sooner on in a relationship or mm. the it doesn't have to be the first date. I know I'm I'm a different breed of person, but <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have these conversations early on, then that's what can lead to challenges in a relationship and having mismatched and being not sexually compatible in the future. Yeah. I think a few things that need to be factors in determining long-term compatibility is number one, do they want the same relationship style as me? Not everyone is monogamous. And I think that's really important. And I think family planning. So this, this is two pronged approach for that. Number one is like, does this person want kids? Do I want kids? Do we stay on the same side of this? Mm-hmm. Because you should never convince your partner to have kids and you should never be convinced to have kids if you don't want to, period. Yeah. Mic drop. Like, your stance on that, like, deserves to be your stance. And if someone is different than you, like, convincing, that's just going to lead to resentment. Absolutely. And then I think number two, leading into, like, sexual health, we often don't talk about, you know, our sexual health. When was the last time you got texted? Are you on birth control? What barrier methods do you want to use? And unfortunately, given the state of the world and the state of like access to abortion in the US, like we really need to be having these conversations about family planning. And hey, if accidental pregnancy were to happen, what would you want to do? Right. Mm -hmm. Or what would you do? And like having these conversations are so crucial because if the person has a different opinion than you, then you might decide, hey, I don't want to have sex with this person. All right. Catherine, um, how do you support your partner with his sexual endeavors and very kinky side when some of it makes you slightly uncomfortable, but I really want to please him and myself? Ooh, good one. That's Yeah, that's a really good one. I think uh, number one is like asking yourself, like, why are you uncomfortable? So oftentimes there are certain things that might seem like out of the normal, like it's not something that you've been exposed to before, or maybe it's a little bit taboo. And I think we often don't realize the weight that cultural or religious shame can play on our ability to explore desires in the bedroom. So I think exploring that. Mm -hmm. Um, A really great tool to use, uh, which I recommend for all my clients is to like go on Google, find something called a yes, no, maybe list. Okay. It's also known as a BDSM checklist. And what this does is it allows you to, it's kind of like a form and it has a whole list of things and it sort of gives you a baseline of like, what's a hard limit? What's a soft limit? What's a hell yes? And what's a conditional yes. Okay. So it can give you things like anal, receiving, or giving. Mm-hmm. Are you into it in certain contexts or no? Butt plugs. It will talk about certain like certain tools, outdoor sex, indoor sex, shower sex, golden showers, scat play, like you name it. Like it can be going through all of this. And then you're able to start a conversation with your partner based on the things that you have in common. I think a common misconception too is like a lot of people believe that just because your partner is into something, like you have to make yourself be into it. No, that's not, that's not the case at all. Your partner can have a fantasy and it can remain a fantasy. So that's also an important distinguish. 
A fantasy is something that you enjoy or you find arousing, but it's something that can be something that you think about or maybe watch in porn or read erotica in. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that you want to bring into your current reality. A desire, however, that is something that you do want to bring into your reality. However, everyone needs to be a full, willing, consensual like participant in that. And okay. I fully believe it's a full body fuck yes or it's a no. But again, it's like leaning into, okay, what's uncomfortable about it? And okay. just because your partner is interested in one thing, but you're like a mm, feeling indifferent or feeling not fully good on it like there's ways to integrate elements of certain kinks like I know um just based on in general like what's trending right now and a lot of interests that men have or that I've just been seeing a lot I think a lot of people are into pegging and a lot of people are into cuckolding those seem to be the most common um like sexual interests lately and with pegging so maybe you personally don't feel comfortable putting on a strap on and fucking your partner. And like, I'm, that's something I'm trying to do this year. It's on my sex bucket list. So <laughs> I know not everyone's into it, but good luck on your journey. From that. <laughs> <laughs> I already bought the strap on. So I'm just ready. I'm waiting for the right, the right person. If we have um, any listeners but- that would like to be the volunteer, slide down to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Love it. Love it. Um, But like a way to like ease into that or maybe pegging you're not comfortable with, but maybe you're like, okay, maybe the root of that desire is your partner wants to explore more prostate play. Your prostate basically is like the male G spot. So it's this very sensitive point on the inside of the asshole for men only. Um, And it can be very stimulating and very arousing for them. But a lot of them also experience some like shame around like butt stuff. But a good way to, like, start with that is, like, maybe use a finger or maybe get a butt plug or maybe try just holding a dildo or playing with that and then slowly building up to things. And then with, like, cuckolding, that's exploring non-monogamy. That's Mm -hmm. also exploring humiliation kink. That's also exploring degradation. That's also exploring, like, exhibitionism and voyeurism. So maybe all of that altogether isn't something that feels good for you, but maybe you'd be interested in like flirting with someone when you go out to drinks and having your partner watch, you know, or maybe going on a date with someone else, like while your partner knows, it doesn't have to mean you have to have sex with someone while your partner's in the room, (laughs) masturbating in the corner, in the cuck chair, (laughs) you know, it doesn't have to be that. There's ways, there's ways to go about it that still allow for like safety within each step. And that's where it comes back to like healthy communication throughout. I really think it's important that we establish like ongoing feedback with our partners before, during, and after sexual experiences. And that means like asking like, Hey, how is this for you? Or Mm -hmm. checking in. Like, I, like, I don't know if this is something I feel comfortable with. Back to mm-hmm. the BDSM checklist, that's another thing to establish too, is I really like utilizing red, yellow, and green stoplight okay. method for mm-hmm. limits instead of having safe words, because this allows you to check in at a yellow. So if one of you says yellow, you're like, mm, this doesn't feel good for me, but like, it's not a hard stop. You're able to take a moment to readjust, okay, what's working, what's not working? How can we change this so that we're 
all of us are having a good experience here. Instead of when it's at red, then that's a hard stop, stop the scene. That's where it's like aftercare, everything ends. Abort, abort, abort. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't want to get to that point. So it's important to continue the conversation in the middle. I'm listening to all of this and I'm over here like, I'm a Disney channel. Welcome back to my Disney channel. Girl, me too. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Sorry, I've been in the clear for a long time. Bro, she's not clear. a sex expert for nothing, okay? That's why she's on her podcast. <laughs> but, like, if you're vanilla, so to speak, in quotes, I got I got finger quotes here, uh, that's okay. okay, too, right? It's just whatever your totally. preferences are. Yeah, Vanilla absolutely. is a great flavor. Like, I don't hate on vanilla. I think vanilla is great. And it's funny, like, even me, a sex coach, I prefer sensuality. I prefer eye contact. I prefer slow movements, lots of oral, and, like, sweaty, passionate sex. Like, that is my most favorite type of having sex. Uh Like, yes, I do love BDSM and putting it all, like, I love love the novelty, but it's, like, vanilla is still a good flavor. And so don't let anyone tell you that you're anything less for liking that. Yeah, Um, But I think if you are vanilla and you want to try something a little different, something easy to try would be, like, Maybe play with a blindfold, you know, take away one sense, see how it feels. You might realize that your senses are heightened. You might realize that you actually have a lot of erogenous zones around your body that are nowhere near your genitals. Like I personally have experienced orgasms from just nipple play alone. So when Mm. you slow things down, you can grab that feather. You can grab like even like your hairbrush. I really love my favorite tool that I have is something called a pinwheel. And you just, like, run it over your skin. It looks scarier than it is. It's just for sensation play. You can buy it on Amazon for, like, 10 bucks. But it just, like, you feel the sensation of the pinwheel going on your skin. You can. We got a few more. So how about let's talk porn real quick. Let's specifically yeah. talk in a committed relationship where one partner is uncomfortable with it and the other partner loves it. What is your feedback on the topic? Well, I think that's similar to like exploring desires. I think it's number one, sitting with yourself to figure out whether it's you. I mean, I assume it's the person Mm -hmm. who's asking this, figuring out why are you uncomfortable with porn? I think there's a lot of like layers with it. I personally like, let me just share my stance on it first is I think porn is great. I think Mm -hmm. having a regular masturbation practice in a relationship is also great. I think Mm -hmm. when we center our pleasure in having it only be with our partners, this releases and like, it just doesn't, it's very limiting. It's very restricting when we expect our partner to be our only source of pleasure and vice versa. And coming back to like that whole conversation at the beginning of advice of like mismatched libido, another piece of advice for that is like, have a masturbation practice. I masturbate whether I'm in a relationship or not, that does not change. I think Mm -hmm. in terms of like the type of porn, like that could be a conversation. Like what is it about it that doesn't feel good? Um, I'm a huge supporter of making sure that you're sourcing ethical porn sources. So this could be something like exploring websites. Like I personally, I love working with um, 
the brand it's called exoafterglow.com and I have a discount code for anyone who wants to try for seven days it's your pleasure path um and I like it because it's porn created by women for women so it allows you to see porn that's centered on the female gaze so it's more focused on female pleasure it's more focused on like actual scenarios that are more likely to happen instead of the weird like yeah weird incest kind of stuff that you see like the moment you type in Pornhub like like damn a lot of people are into this um yeah okay no shaming I would say I think this question may stem around say you you're a female partner and you're in a relationship and your male partner is almost to the point where I don't want to say addiction but they watch so much of it they're not as interested in being with you they'd almost rather have that Oh, then they got to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here. It's a problem. I've heard it from multiple people. I'm just curious. Yeah. I will say, like, I do not believe that porn addiction exists, period. I think the habit can be challenging if it impacts the ability to have intimacy with your partner and go through your life. But I think oftentimes porn addiction or, like, the thought of porn addiction is started by people who have that more puritanical like religious upbringing that porn is evil and bad and i don't think Mm. all porn is evil and bad i do think some porn can definitely be problematic you know especially the mainstream porn where you don't know how the performers are being paid and the wages and all of that you don't know how it's being produced and how ethically absolutely do i think there's problems with porn sure but I don't think there's a problem with your partner watching porn on a regular basis, as long as you're still having sex, as long as you're still being intimate with your partner, where it can be problematic. Here's the thing where it can be problematic is if the porn habit is interfering with the rest of your life. But the kicker here is that using porn on a regular basis can be for a, one person, it could be you watch porn twice a day, but you're still having sex with your partner three times a week, and that's not a problem for you. Mm-hmm. It could be that you watch porn once a week, but you're not having sex with your partner, and you feel disconnected from your life. Someone's mm-hmm. porn usage typically indicates how they cope with certain things. So it could be they need the visual stimulus in order to get off. Or it could be a sense of escapism or coping. But typically, Mm -hmm. if there's a dependency on porn, the problem isn't porn. It's something else that's underlying. Like, it could be addiction with, like, alcoholism. It could be that they're depressed or experiencing anxiety and using, like we mentioned earlier, chasing that orgasm in order to feel okay. So there's a lot of layers to this. But I think having open and honest conversations about porn why it makes you feel uncomfortable, why you use it, how often you're using it. I think that's important. And I think maybe like setting specific boundaries, not just like you can't watch porn. Like I I don't think that's a fair thing to put on a relationship because right. it's telling your partner that if they have a higher libido than you and you won't let them get off themselves, 
but you're also not having sex more than like once a week, well, what are they supposed to do? That's where instances of like lying and cheating can come out from that. Not saying that you have to be okay with your partner's porn use. Otherwise you're going to get cheated on. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying the more open and honest we can be about our habits and our desires, like the better. And Mm -hmm. also I think it's important to know if you are someone who's not okay with your partner watching porn, don't date someone who likes watching porn. <laughs> Period. I think the trouble comes is there's a lot of people who don't are honest about it. I mean, who's who don't come to you and say from the get go, like, I watch porn multiple times every single day. It's like a, a down low thing that you find out later, you know, so it's interesting your perspective. I also yeah. want to add to something that Jewel said about like, you know, partners you know kind of like having trouble with like you know somebody thinking that how you know their partner has a porn addiction and that stuff I have a a girlfriend of mine and her biggest concern with porn not wasn't the fact that you know her husband was watching porn um her concern was that she is a white woman and the only porn that her husband was watching was with Asian women. And I think that's when her insecurity started building up. And I think she just was, I think she just was really insecure about that. So I think lots of times it's not the amount of times our partner watches porn, but going back to what specific porn category that they're choosing. Right. Totally. Yeah. And, and like, that's totally normal and valid to feel um, uncomfortable or maybe a bit insecure about like what your partner's watching for porn. I think oftentimes, like, I forget what the study is, but like, um, I'm pretty sure if you look up sex and psychology podcasts with Justin, um, Dr. Justin Lay Miller, he does a lot of like research around (laughs) this topic specifically, So there's going to be a lot of stats there. But essentially, what most people look up in porn is not necessarily something that they want in person. So I think a lot of the times women expect that like, okay, like if my partner is watching this kind of porn, then they're not attracted to me. When in reality, like that couldn't be further from the truth. Like, I personally, I search lesbian porn, but I'm a heterosexual woman. Mm -hmm. And like, that's also very normal. What we watch when we get off by ourselves, like doesn't necessarily have to be something that we want in real life. And I think like an important thing to notice too, is like, um, I think watching porn with your partner can be a good chance of developing intimacy and like asking Mm -hmm. your partner, like, Hey, why do you like this? Like maybe, maybe your partner's not even looking at like, doesn't notice that it's an Asian woman. Maybe your partner is noticing that maybe she's doing something like with his ball, with the balls of the guy in the video, or maybe they're trying like BDSM or using a different tool or maybe they're fucking in a pool or something like that. Like, I think a lot of the times as women, we're like really quick to focus straight on the insecurity and make it like, I'm not enough because my mm-hmm. partner watches something that doesn't look like me. When in yeah. reality, there could be so many other reasons why they're watching it. And right. just like asking like, hey, like, what is it about this that turns you on? Um, yeah. And I think oftentimes like, I know for me, like, I like listening in the moaning. Like, I fast forward to when people are moaning, and I, I don't really look at it most of the time. 
Um, Mm -hmm. But some people like imagining themselves in it or not, or just observing. And it doesn't matter who's on the other end. So I think getting curious and asking why is really important and not jumping straight to I'm not enough, like, because this doesn't look like me. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's, that's good feedback. What do you think, Fatima? Uh, I know we got a long list of questions. You yeah, wanna... um, I honestly, I'm sitting over here and I'm enjoying this conversation thoroughly. I want to suggest to make this a two-parter and maybe in the future have another conversation because we have so many questions and I feel yeah. like there are so many more important topics to touch up on. Uh, like Jules has two children, so we would love to talk more about sex education and, you know, yeah. kind of like introducing it to a younger population and yeah, totally. talking about like, or having sex with the kids in the house (laughs) yeah absolutely and then Mm -hmm. trying to make time the the sexual (laughs) self-care and you know talking about taking care of yourself and you know all of that stuff so um i think that would be amazing if we uh can have you on the podcast again uh because i'm listening to you i love having conversation with you and i think sex is something that you know we all do but unfortunately we don't talk about it because right. you know we yeah. all know how, it's such a taboo thing but i totally. feel like it's so it's so refreshing to have different opinions in the room you know like you touched upon non-monogamy and you know like talking about things that you know i personally might not be fully agreeing with but th- that doesn't you know doesn't mean either side is wrong yeah right. that doesn't it's, it's fun to have the conversations it's fun to hear what everyone has to say and absolutely absolutely it doesn't cancel the fact that it exists in the world so absolutely um, it seems like communication bottom line honesty and communication but you know what we do all agree on pinwheels pinwheels <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad i opened your eyes to something new today we got so many questions Yes. So, uh, Catherine, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you here. Thank you for, you know, sharing your knowledge, experience, your vulnerability and your time, because I know you are a busy gal. And um, if you ever feel inclined to come back to our podcast, you're always welcome. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Catherine, for your time, for just chatting with us and hanging out. Would love that. Would love that. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you and happy to come back another time. Yay. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week and happy holidays. Happy holidays. holidays. We got a few more. So how about let's talk porn real quick. Let's specifically talk in a committed relationship where one partner is uncomfortable with it and the other partner loves it. What is your feedback on the topic? Well, I think that's similar to like exploring desires. I think it's number one, sitting with yourself to figure out whether it's you. I mean, I assume it's the person Mm -hmm. who's asking this, figuring out why are you uncomfortable with porn? I think there's a lot of like layers with it. I personally like, let me just share my stance on it first is I think porn is great. I think Mm -hmm. having a regular masturbation practice in a relationship is also great. I think Mm -hmm. when we center our pleasure in having it only be with our partners, this releases and like, it just doesn't, it's very limiting. It's very restricting when we expect our partner to be our only source of pleasure and vice versa. And coming back to like that whole conversation at the beginning of advice of like mismatched libido, another piece of advice for that is like have a masturbation practice. I masturbate 
whether I'm in a relationship or not, that does not change. I think Mm -hmm. in terms of like the type of porn, like that could be a conversation. Like what is it about it that doesn't feel good? Um, I'm a huge supporter of making sure that you're sourcing ethical porn sources. So this could be something like exploring websites. Like I personally, I love working with um, the brand that's called exoafterglow.com. And I have a discount code for anyone who wants to try for seven days. It's your pleasure path. Um, And I like it because it's porn created by women for women. So it allows you to see porn that's centered on the female gaze so it's more focused on female pleasure it's more focused on like actual scenarios that are more likely to happen instead of the weird like weird incest kind of stuff that you see like the moment you type in Pornhub like like damn a lot of people are into this um yeah okay that no makes sense. Here. I would say I think this question may stem around say you ha- you're a female partner and you're in a relationship and your male partner is almost to the point where I don't want to say addiction, but they watch so much of it they're not as interested in being with you. They'd almost rather have that. No, then they gotta leave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here it's a problem. I've heard it from this. multiple people. I'm just curious. Yeah, I will say, like, I do not believe that porn addiction exists, period. I think the habit can be challenging if it impacts the ability to have intimacy with your partner and go through your life. But I think oftentimes porn addiction or, like, the thought of porn addiction is started by people who have that more puritanical, like, religious upbringing that porn is evil and bad. And I don't think all porn is evil and bad. I do think some porn can definitely be problematic, you know, especially the mainstream porn where you don't know how the performers are being paid and the wages and all of that. You don't know how it's being produced and how ethically. Absolutely. Do I think there's problems with porn? Sure. But I don't think there's a problem with your partner watching porn on a regular basis as long as you're still having sex as long as you're still being intimate with your partner where it can be problematic here's the thing where it can be problematic is if the porn habit is interfering with the rest of your life but the kicker here is that using porn on a regular basis can be for a one person it could be you watch porn twice a day but you're still having sex with your partner three times a week and that's not a problem for you Mm -hmm. it could be that you watch porn once a week but you're not having sex with your partner and you feel disconnected from your life someone's Mm. porn usage typically indicates how they cope with certain things so it could be they need the visual stimulus in order to get off or it could be a sense of escapism or coping but typically Mm -hmm. if there's a dependency on porn The problem isn't porn. It's something else that's underlying. Like it could be addiction with like alcoholism. It could be that they're depressed or experiencing anxiety and using, like we mentioned earlier, chasing that orgasm in order to feel okay. So there's a lot of layers to this, but I think having open and honest conversations about porn, why it makes you feel uncomfortable why you use it, how often you're using it. I think that's important. And I think maybe like setting specific boundaries, not just like you can't watch porn. Like I, I don't think that's a fair thing to 
put on a relationship because right. it's telling your partner that if they have a higher libido than you and you won't let them get off themselves, but you're also not having sex more than like once a week, well, what are they supposed to do? That's where instances of like lying and cheating can come out from that. Not saying that you have to be okay with your partner's porn use, otherwise you're gonna get cheated on. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying the more open and honest we can be about our habits and our desires, like the better. And Mm -hmm. also I think it's important to know if you are someone who's not okay with your partner watching porn, don't date someone who likes watching porn. <laughs> Period. I think the trouble comes is there's a lot of people who don't are honest about it. I mean, who's who don't come to you and say from the get go, like, I watch porn multiple times every single day. It's like a, a down low thing that you find out later, you know, so it's interesting your perspective. I also yeah. want to add to something that Jewel said about like, you know, partners you know kind of like having trouble with like you know somebody thinking that you know their partner has a porn addiction and that stuff I have a a girlfriend of mine and her biggest concern with porn not wasn't the fact that you know her husband was watching porn um her concern was that she is a white woman and the only porn that her husband was watching was with Asian women. And I think that's when her insecurity started building up. And I think she just was, I think she just was really insecure about that. So I think lots of times it's not the amount of times our partner watches porn, but going back to what specific porn category that they're choosing. Right. Totally. Yeah. And, and like, that's totally normal and valid to feel um, uncomfortable or maybe a bit insecure about like what your partner's watching for porn. I think oftentimes, like, I forget what the study is, but like, um, I'm pretty sure if you look up sex and psychology podcasts with Justin, um, Dr. Justin Lane Miller, he does a lot of like research around (laughs) this topic specifically. So there's going to be a lot of stats there, but essentially what most people look up in porn is not necessarily something that they want in person. So I think a lot of the times women expect that like, okay, like if my partner is watching this kind of porn, then they're not attracted to me. When in reality, like that couldn't be further from the truth. Like I personally, I search lesbian porn, but I'm a heterosexual woman. Mm -hmm. And like, that's also very normal. What we watch when we get off by ourselves, like doesn't necessarily have to be something that we want in real life. And I think like an important thing to notice too is like, um, I think watching porn with your partner can be a good chance of developing intimacy and like asking Mm -hmm. your partner, like, Hey, why do you like this? Like maybe, maybe your partner's not even looking at like, doesn't notice that it's an Asian woman. Maybe your partner is noticing that maybe she's doing something like with his ball, with the balls of the guy in the video, or maybe they're trying like BDSM or using a different tool Or maybe they're fucking in a pool or something like that. Like, I think a lot of the times as women, we're like really quick to focus straight on the insecurity and make it like I'm not enough because my Mm -hmm. partner watches something that doesn't look like me. When in reality, there could be so many other reasons why they're watching it. And just like asking like, hey, like, what is it about this that turns you on? Um, And I think oftentimes like, I know for me, like, I like listening to the moaning. Like, I fast forward to when people are moaning, and I, I don't really look at it most of the time. 
Um, Mm -hmm. But some people like imagining themselves in it or not, or just observing. And it doesn't matter who's on the other end. So I think getting curious and asking why is really important and not jumping straight to I'm not enough, like, because this doesn't look like me. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's, that's good feedback. What do you think, Fatima? Uh, I know we got a long list of questions. You yeah, wanna... um, I honestly, I'm sitting over here and I'm enjoying this conversation thoroughly. I want to suggest to make this a two-parter and maybe in the future have another conversation because we have so many questions and I feel yeah. like there are so many more important topics to touch up on. Uh, like Jules has two children, so we would love to talk more about sex education and, you know, yeah. kind of like introducing it to a younger population and yeah, talking totally. about like, or having sex with the kids in the house (laughs) yeah absolutely and then talking about the the sexual (laughs) self-care and you know talking about taking care of yourself and you know all of that stuff so um i think that would be amazing if we uh can have you on the podcast again uh because i'm listening to you i love having conversation with you and i think sex is something that you know we all do but unfortunately we don't talk about it because you know we all know it's such a taboo thing but I feel like it's so it's so refreshing to have different opinions in the room you know like you touched upon non-monogamy and you know like talking about things that you know I personally might not be fully agreeing with but that doesn't you know doesn't mean either side is wrong yeah right. that doesn't it's, it's fun to have the conversations it's fun to hear what everyone has to say and absolutely absolutely it doesn't cancel the fact that it exists in the world so absolutely um, it seems like communication bottom line honesty and communication but you know what we do all agree on pinwheels pinwheels <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad i opened your eyes to something new today we got so many questions Yes. So, uh, Catherine, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you here. Thank you for, you know, sharing your knowledge, experience, your vulnerability and your time, because I know you are a busy gal. And um, if you ever feel inclined to come back to our podcast, you're always welcome. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Catherine, for your time, for just chatting with us and hanging out. Would love that. Would love that. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you and happy to come back another time. Yay. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week and happy holidays. Happy Happy holidays. holidays.